Music Sumo Podcast. Zero, zero, six. Please save me from people who've been told what to like and then like it. In my opinion, if you're over six years of age and you're still getting your music from the radio, something is desperately wrong with you. I can only hope that somehow MP3 players and file sharing will destroy FM radio the way they're destroying record companies. Then, even though the air will probably never be safe to breathe again, maybe it will be safer to listen to. Downtown Johnny Brown, and you're listening to the Music Sumo Podcast 006. To all of you who don't know by now, Music Sumo is an independent online music store dedicated to promoting and selling all independent artists' music over the internet at www.musicsumo.com. That's www.musicsumo.com. Music Sumo is aimed at assisting independent music artists in further promoting their careers through distribution, marketing, and promotion on the internet. Artists are now able to sell their CDs online, advertise upcoming shows and releases, and be featured on Music Sumo's regular podcast. Some of the key features that we have incorporated into the Music Sumo web store are a website where your fans and the general public can come and buy your CDs, a place for customers to leave reviews of your music, a concert calendar so you can let your fans know about your upcoming gigs, a bulletin board system that you can use to get your questions answered about the music industry as well as help others, a chat room where you can interact with your fans and other musicians in real time, a way to further promote your band, music, and gigs through links and banners, and more. 
Currently, we are accepting CD submissions from all musical artists for the store, and if you submit your CD now, you will receive 20% off the sign-up fee by entering in Sumo Promo, that's S-U-M-O-P-R-O-M-O, in the coupon redemption area at the bottom of the CD submission page. So sign up now. To find out more about Music Sumo and to take advantage of the 20% in savings, visit Music Sumo today at www.musicsumo.com. That's www.musicsumo.com. On our last podcast, we had Pharma again with a couple of new songs and a couple of old ones. I'd like to thank everyone who participated in, in the listening of the several versions of Plastic Moon and who took the time to let the band know what versions you thought were best. I've taken a look at all the thoughts from you listeners and I've forwarded them onto the band so that they may make an informed decision as to what version to include in their next album. Thank you all for participating. And for all of those who haven't participated yet, please do. It is not too late to let the band know what you think of their stuff. So cruise on over to Music Sumo at www.musicsumo.com and listen to podcast number 005. And then email me at podcast at musicsumo.com with your thoughts and, suge- and suggestions. I will make sure that they all make it to the band. Also, we are keeping the Pharma EP on sale for only $6 for a couple more weeks. That is over 50% off the standard list price. So come on by Music Sumo and pick up a copy today at www.musicsumo.com. I'd also like to let you all know that Pharma is currently looking for a new drummer since Mie left the group several weeks ago, and they have started rehearsing for some future gigs. Yay, new shows! So keep checking the Music Sumo website and the band's official website at www.pharmamusic.com. That's www.farmamusic.com for any upcoming shows. Now on this podcast, we had a real treat coming. We were just going to do a straight podcast about the new featured band, Way, but then we got a call from one of the founding members of the band, Andy Bergeron, wanting to do an interview, and of course we said, sure, come on over. So Andy has been living up in Portland, Oregon since the mid-90s, and just recently moved back down to California in the past couple months. He grew up with me in the San Francisco Bay Area, and I was fortunate enough to play in several bands with him in high school. Actually, I have to say that he was one of the major contributing factors to making me get into this crazy industry. Playing with him, I grew an intense love for music and the ways it can make people feel. Andy's diversity with instrumentation led him to, into a variety of roles in the Portland music scene while he was there. The most dominant of which was being the guitarist and vocalist for Space Breath, a powerful rock quartet scorching the Portland area for more than three years from 1999 to 2002, while also producing a number of studio recordings and a full-length album called Cloudland. Actually, Space Breath started off this podcast with their song Come On. Unfortunately, Music Sumo does not have any Space Breath inventory in inventory right now, but hopefully we'll be able to alleviate this in the future. I'll let you all know when we make this happen, of course. Once we do get the album in, you must check it out. It is an awesome album from one of the best Portland bands from the 90s. Actually, let's take a deeper listen into Space Breath now with Saturday and Hurricane.
No, you never saw with General Electric Reject us like we project your regret on it
Andy's other projects have included playing bass in the hard rock trio Estrella, bass and keyboards in the more folky Moe and the Donuts and the Moe Phillips trio, drums in the duo Loris Lane, as well as composing and producing music for a play called The Stick Figure Battery Baby, which was written and directed by Charlie Orfanides, Wazed Keyboardist. If you would like to learn more about some of these projects, you can visit Figwine Productions at www.figwine.org. That's www.figwine.org. Actually, you should go there and just because it's hilarious. It's so funny. Some of the greatest pictures, some great poetry, and of course, great music on the site. So check it out at www.figwine.org. So anyway, I got to sit down with Andy and a bunch of beer in this podcast and reminisce about the old days and discuss what he is up to now. We discuss the current state of the music industry and where we think it's heading, and we also just bullshitted about complete nothing. So during the course of this little hangout, we were also joined by some wonderful guests, including Dominic Henry, the bassist for Pharma, and Forrest Herzl, a longtime friend and wonderful guy who is willing to help out any way he can in the Bay Area music scene. So sit back and enjoy this semi-live podcast with Andy Bergeron of Portland, Oregon fame. To start off with, Andy decided to relax with a couple of live acoustic versions of some classics. So here's Andy Bergeron with That's Alright Mama and I Got a Woman. That's alright mama, that's alright for you, that's alright mama. Just any way you do That's alright That's alright That's alright now, mama Any way you do Well, mama, she done told me Papa told me too Son, that girl you hanging with She ain't no good for you That's alright that's alright, that's alright now mama, any 
town, baby I'm leaving town for sure Well, then you won't be bothered with me Hanging around your door That's all right That's all right That's all right now, mama talking about um, Jeff and Space Breath and the Loft in Seattle. Yeah, we uh, our friends uh, do the Loft parties up in Seattle. They're really amazing parties in a neat old building that they kind of converted into a living slash party place. And uh, yeah, just remembering. Oh, uh oh, phone call, phone call. Okay, I gotta shit this shit off. But anyway, my <laughs> sorry. I think it was Forrest, actually. Oh, cool. We'll, we'll call him back in a little bit. Anyway, this uh, we we used to go to these crazy loft parties in Seattle, and they've actually gotten really big. They have uh, you know big national acts and international acts playing up there now. But my friend Jeff, uh, rest in peace. He passed. He was our drummer with Space Breath, and I know it almost uh, it's too much like Spinal Tap, but he did pass away a couple years ago in a bike accident. And uh, he was the kind of guy that just always getting in trouble and always uh, pushing the uh, pushing the envelope, if you will. Right, I remember. And he, uh, you know, we were at the loft, and one night he decided to try to walk across the skylight. Um, <laughs> don't do that ever, people. If you're listening to this podcast, take it from me. Don't walk across skylights. Not a good idea. No, he turned into a bloody mess. Luckily, he didn't <laughs> fall like the full three stories down to the floor because he uh, landed in an upstairs equipment closet. 
Um, but anyway, he was a great guy, and this album, uh, We Won, that we put out last year with Way, it was kind of a reconciliation where we, um, some of us were kind of suffering from losing a very close friend, and that band, needless to say, broke up when uh, he passed away because he was definitely an essential ingredient. And that band was uh, Space, Space Breath. Breath, right? Right, right, okay. right. And uh, which should have been called... Um, uh, I'm not going to say the other name because it's actually a really good band name that I'm still uh, maybe going to use someday. <laughs> right. So I don't want to disclose it on the internet because somebody will steal it. But anyway, um, Space Breath uh, was a great band. Jeff was an g- incredible drummer. We miss him greatly. I didn't really want to play music ever again uh, after what Space Breath went through and learning about the modern recording industry and what's really going on. So I was ready to throw the towel in, and some friends of mine, Mo Phillips and Charlie... Orphanides approached me All right. and wanted to put a band together with me as the singer-songwriter front guy victim. How'd that feel? You're like, I get to be front guy. Well, I, I kind of was in Space Breath. Zach uh, Brown, and uh, currently of Toy Boat and Zach Brown Band. Um, we we would kind of fight for the front man position in Space Breath, but <laughs> the guys wanted to get me back up there, and I wasn't going to do it on my own. So, you know, it's neat having friends that push you. And they wanted to hear, like, I guess my uh, noodling on the guitar. And so we put together Way. Needless to say, Mo quit about three months after he actually helped start the band. um, Because he got married and has started having babies. Which is awesome. Yeah. (laughs) Let's hear it for babies. Woohoo! All right, babies. I'll drink to that. Yeah. So pass the Fody and... uh, He's living in Australia now. I think he's, he was kind of scheming at that time. He knew that he was going to be leaving the country. and Right, right. After 9-11, I think he kind of freaked out. Actually, uh, I believe Mo is going to be on the next podcast. Sweet. With his album, The Boat. So. Oh, great. Great yeah. album. People, get The Boat. It's a great album. Yeah, it is very good. So, yeah. So, basically, what Way is and, and um, will continue to be is, and what I'm moving towards more and more is really celebrating our opportunity as people and as musicians to use modern day technology to our advantage so that we don't have to, you know, just buy what Hollywood feeds us on them, MTV, and on the big radio stations and in the CD stores. Like, we'll be able to keep good music happening that people want to hear and, um, you know, has really has the ultimate freedom, which has never happened before. And I'm, my fear is that in 20 years, it won't be this available. And it's totally wide open right now. Right, right. And that's really hip. And we're all, you know, I guess it just happens. The time that you're living in, you just kind of go with it. You don't realize what's happening around you. But lately, I've been realizing that we have a really amazing tool. We need to learn how, as a group, of, as a everybody, I'm talking about the bigger picture of the whole world. We really need to learn how to use this tool to keep our ideas of what we want and what we want to have happening free and independent from corporate interests. So I'm still fighting it, trying to uh, get something going, you know. If that's playing in bars for the rest of my life, I'm fine with that. It's kind of like on a small sense, uh, the last podcast, 005 with Pharma, I played those uh, three songs in a row, the same song, and asked the, the listeners to come up with what they liked the best. And it was really audience participation where they could participate and tell what they wanted to hear on the album that's coming up. Right. Instead of having corporate America just feed you, okay, this is the album you get, this is the songs you're listening to, you better like it. You know, listen to it a hundred times, we guarantee you'll like it. Right. This way you get to vote on what you want to hear and 
we'll put it out for you before you know it gets force fed to you. Yeah, but I, what I wonder with uh, stuff like that is, are people going to be motivated in this current time? I think it's maybe going to be like four or five more years before people really realize the power of the internet and that it is still free. And people have fought and and are still fighting to keep it free for the people um, so we can have a, a networking source uh, where we can communicate right. with anybody we want to. I mean, this is incredible. But anyway, I'm just wondering how motivated most people are to really learn how to use their computers to the full extent. And then, you know, stuff like you're saying, are people going to take the time to, you know, choose a song and, and take the time to listen to a couple songs and actually vote on it, you know, and, and really help some musicians out? But also uh, help the democratic nature of the internet to you know right. continue doing what it's doing. It's incredible. We could really make it a neat tool. How cool would that be if a band could be like, "Hey, do you guys like this line or this line better?" You know, I mean, right? It'd be amazing. I mean, they're making music. Usually, bands I know are making music for people to have fun and enjoy. Yeah. And if they can get that feedback from the audience, it, it would just benefit everybody. Right. You know, the the musicians would love to play it because the audience is getting off on it because the audience told them what they want to hear. Yeah. And so they're catering to what the the world needs and wants. And I, you know, we need more people out there doing that. And yeah. What about that song like My Girl? Like if it had a different guitar line, I guarantee it wouldn't have become that popular. You know, the dun, 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 I mean, that is perfect, you know, and I'm sure that... If he would have switched that around a little bit or, you know, it would not be the song that it is today. So I really think it matters. And if people could actually vote on that and and not have to pay to do it, you know, be able to do it for free, be able to talk to musicians directly on the Internet. Right, right. And, uh, you know, that's a lot of what we're trying to do at Music Sumo with, like, the the forums where you can actually talk to people, leave postings for bands and stuff. There's even the chat room on there that um, some people are starting to utilize now where you can go on and chat in real time with bands and stuff or whoever's in the chat room, of course. Um, and we're hoping in the future to get like uh, a band in here to do a podcast and at the same time open up the chat room so like people can type in and chat with the band in real time while, we're, we're, while we are recording the podcast. Mm-hmm. And um, they can ask questions and stuff through the chat room. Which would be great. I mean, it's just a way for people to interact directly with the bands, the people that they love. Yeah, that's and awesome. Yeah. I, but I think also there's a lot of people like me that have been really afraid of technology and, like, totally shunned it. Right. You and did, you just did for now a while. realizing, whoa. <laughs> you did for a while. I was actually kind of surprised um, right before Way um, came out, uh, Charlie did the stick figure battery baby play and uh you did all the music yeah you did all the music for that and i was actually amazed to hear you did it all on like drum machines and stuff i was like holy (laughs) shit andy's starting to use technology it's crazy yeah i think it was like casio keyboard and a a cheap drum machine yeah that's a great play i should i should uh make that available on the internet because i I just watched that play it was a play produced by charlie orfanides the keyboard player for way and it was incredible. We did an eight-week run in Portland. It was amazing. You saw it? Did I, you? See? No, no, you weren't up there. No, then, right? I saw the the like the promotional videos where you took the battery baby around Portland and took different. Uh, oh yeah, we did one of those things where you like take something around and take pictures of it all over the place. Right, right. That was hilarious. That was and uh, but amazing play. I, I you know I watch it now and I realize how, how incredible it was and how incredible it was that we pulled it off with such a bunch of drunk slacking. Uh, <laughs> monkeys in their mid-twenties 
you know, trying to figure out what they're going to do with their life and all that kind of great stuff. Right. And we managed to pull it off. It was semi-professional. We had full houses the last four shows. So oh, man, it was I'm incredible. It. it was amazing. It was amazing that people would actually come out. And, you know, oh, boy, we could talk forever. But it really brings up something about the modern media, whereas they're, Portland, and this was a problem for a way, is oversaturated with young, talented bands. And they're doing all kinds of different stuff. Yeah. So for a band like Way to kind of try to do something a little different, uh, yeah, it's been done before, but you know we're trying to kind of push push the edge, do something different, something that's beautiful. You know, we're not the kind of we weren't we are not the kind of band that would come out, you know, with a thousand decibels of in your face ins- insanity. Like we would we did some shows where we would start off where the music was barely audible, and we would try to sneak into the crowd vibe, and it was it was really as as uh, anthropologists. It was amazing to watch it, watching these people and like slowly, you know, they'd be talking or playing pool and like we'd be up there doing our thing and slowly but surely we'd be able to pull a whole room full of people, uh, pull their attention into the band. And then there's sometimes there'd be these awkward moments because it was almost like we snuck up on the people because they weren't expecting it. And then right. they'd, they'd almost rebel, like go and be like, oh, I'm not listening to this. Go do their other thing, order drinks, go to the bathroom, leave stuff like that but we would really we would really experiment with that and really trying to figure out what music is why do people like it or not like it and 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 what kind of effect does it really have on people we got into lighting too and uh we didn't have the money to have a lot of fancy lights but um, using color and light on the audience was extremely effective well you were you were fortunate enough to play the tiki a a few uh, enough times and they had a a light system that you you could utilize which was nice that's one of the reasons we liked that bar because they actually had this old built-in colored lighting system so we try to find a volunteer usually tell them slow blues and slow reds right right (laughs) put some other stuff in there but really slow light movements and full uh colors uh, that was great. I loved watching the effect of the lighting on people right. and on myself and on the music. Yeah, it was a lot of good fun up there at the Tiki Bar. Mm. I actually ran lights wet one time. Do you remember that? Was that for it's, Space Breath? That was for yeah. It was for Space Breath. Oh that yeah, you were you were you were our best lightman ever. Dude. Oh, well, that was thank a you. great show. Yeah, that was a lot of. fun. I still have that show on CD. It was a, it was a really good show actually. There's some. Do you good have video stuff. of it? Because I want to see it. I still haven't seen. <laughs> I don't know if we have a video of it or not. Maybe on a VHS tape. Actually. I know you guys video. I saw like a one. Was it the big old song. VHS camera? Yeah, it was. It was the Charlie old one. has it on it video. A, yeah, okay, it's good. I'll have to get it. I just switched over to digital for the people, but um, it's a great show. I have it on CD. Forrest recorded it. He brought his little mini disc up there, I think. Oh really? That was the show, right? It was, Forrest was up there too. He no, not that trip. No, I was up there alone working lights. And then I came up a second time, and uh, you used my guitar. I was your uh, roadie for a few gigs. That was the time that Forrest recorded it. Yeah. Then. We were at the Magic Hat or something. Good point. I need to find that old video. That's funny. So um, so the band now is Way. Way is the current in- incarnation. The current incarnation. Um, and you guys started out as Space Breath, which was... Right, a lot different. It was it was a rock band as opposed to uh, new agey, spacey yeah. stuff. How did you guys transition into the new way sound? I definitely don't want to dwell on on something that's uh, kind of sad for a lot of people, but I really think that Jeff's pa- Jeff Miller, uh, the drummer for Space Breath, passing away, 
had I'll speak for myself it had a huge effect on me I'm actually still recovering Uh from it Um, he was a great guy I haven't met anybody that was as enthusiastic about music and playing the drums I've never met anybody like that and so for me it was just I think the way was is kind of was is and was uh, the transition into doing something different Um, and for me that meant turning the volume off are turning it way down anyway <laughs> um and 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 trying to get I, I ended up using a lot of like effects and guitar pedals and stuff like that but just right. not so so much in your face distorted guitar right right for me i needed to have a venue where i could do cleaner music um just to, in a way just to see what happened i mean I, my first rock and roll album was appetite for destruction by guns and roses <laughs> a, a butt rocker at heart right um, but I really love beautiful music and, 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 and in the pursuit of that. Um, and it's risky, you know? I mean, we'd be playing bars and we'd be trying to play, like, beautiful electronic music. And it was, it's a, we had a lot of weird reactions sometimes. It was oh, I'm sure. You have to a have lot the right of, venue, the right people listening. Right, but right? also, and we'd end up in random places and sometimes those would be our best shows. Because people would come up and be like, wow, that was really risky for you to come in here and, and kind of put, your, uh, put yourself on the line like that. that was, you know, that's really neat. And, and keep it up. Right, and we we found a lot of really cool fr- uh, fans out there. That you know, I mean, our band made a thousand CDs, and we've somehow gotten rid of like six hundred of them. So somebody must be listening to that stuff. <laughs> oh, I don't. Know. We don't have a lot of money from them. Unfortunately, we're not the best business people, but uh, people definitely wanted the CDs, and we uh, we got we got we sold a lot of them. So wow, very good. Just trying to uh, promote the album and stuff. I, I think this band would be would be popular in Europe. Um, so we'll see if, if we can see get, if we can get right you guys over there. Yeah, and I talked to the bass player. She's, she, she runs a hair salon. and she, Oh, well, this lady, Bianca Grace, ended up uh, coming into our band. She saw us play a show one time and totally dug the music. And uh, actually, specifically, she said, this is the music that I want to be playing. So she did for a long time. And she also had, was simultaneously beginning a new business, a hair salon, which everybody can imagine starting a business is intense right right so you so she uh, she's she's strapped for time and everything but i talked to her the other day and she said if, if we can get a year up to where she's in so very cool very cool and charlie's in india right now so bianca's in portland, portland. i'm living in santa cruz california and charlie's in uh, bombay india um doing, doing his thing yeah you know doing working on some zen meditation kind of stuff there coming up with the next play and some new sound maybe yeah he he should write more plays he's he's an amazing playwright and a a great musician too so he's got some good stuff going for him i think that ultimately in this day and age though you have to you know in the end find happiness or whatever you want to call it that this life that one would go for um and it's not going to be through album sales or through big shows and that's kind of music's changing and and what music is what it has been and what it's becoming um they're actually one and the same i'd say that uh just in the last 30 to 40 years there's been this skewed version of what a a real musician is like somebody who makes it big and drives a lamborghini or something crazy Mm -hmm. and it's just not that Uh, musicians have been playing since the beginning of time and they were not paid until recently they were looked at as jokers and clowns and the goofy guy playing the guitar in the corner right the jesters the jesters and they're always my favorite in shakespeare the guy playing the mandolin the clown or the um the lute right 
So, uh, so I think music's maybe in a way, maybe that's what they, you know, people don't like that about the internet, that the musician doesn't get, you know, $3 per every album sale or something like that. Well, I think that everybody's afraid that it's coming around full circle and they're going to be viewed as jesters again and stuff. Yeah. But I, I think See, I think that's good. Yeah, so do I. <laughs> I was just going to say, I think that that's the way it should be. We should be up there having fun, enjoying the music and stuff and not worrying about, okay, I gotta pay a dollar ninety nine to listen to this song, and yeah. you know, it like it's supposed to create this emotion at this time, right? It's I, not it's not a math equation; it's music, you know. Yeah, I, I don't know. Some people just don't get it, I guess. But well, I think that Mother Nature is taking taking the music back, so to speak, and and providing it to the people, making stuff accessible, and basically erasing Hollywood. And I support that. I, I love some of the stuff Hollywood does. Some of their movies are incredible. Some of the bands are incredible. Um, yeah, I mean, they Coldplay do. Coldplay is a great band. They're very Hollywood. Very Hollywood produced. gets out some bands that otherwise would not be able to get out. But the, yeah. but the reason they wouldn't be able to get out is because Hollywood exists. So it's kind of a catch-22, right. you know? If you ha- And you have to have a connection. That's what I found with Space Breath. I mean... I had some minor, my I call it Hollywood. I just mean the Los Angeles music, right. the music machine. Um, they own the radio stations. They own the. They literally own the radio stations and the venues that the bands play at. It's it's a it's a business. <clears throat> Clear channel. <coughs> Clear channel. Clear channel. Yeah, you know they own billboards that advertise the bands. Anyway, um, and they have a really they're they're smart business people. They own the radio waves. They can promote a band like no other companies have ever been able to. Clear Channel can. Turn on one of their radio stations, promote their bands. They're they're basically like triple dipping, and then have people come and see the live shows at their venues. Right, right. Amazing business strategy. Uh, stockholders must be really excited. Um, and props to them. It's America. You can do that. But what they need to learn to respect is that as Americans, we have freedom. We don't have to buy what they want to sell us, and we can choose to do other stuff too. Like the internet is made possible by the United States government we need to take advantage of it and slowly we're, we're realizing that it belongs to the people and the powers that be are realizing that the internet belongs to the people too and there's nothing they can do about it and well they're trying but I know but from free open source software to the whole Linux movement they're yeah, never going to yeah. gain control and that's because these people are putting their lives and all their time on the line so that we can at least for a while eventually it will become capped I think that it'll be a um, they'll say that it's a terrorist network or something like that, and right. they'll, they'll put a cap on it. We're spreading dissident. Yeah. Uh, from the New World Order, which brings up a whole other topic that I do not think we should get into <laughs> in this podcast. No, 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 no. This is a music podcast. This is supposed to be I don't want to get too political. <laughs> so, yeah, we won't talk about uh, FDR's New World Order or anything like that. But we can, uh, you know, talk about rock and roll and how we're going to stick it to the man. Now, unfortunately, we had to take a break at this point and go to the bathroom and grab more beer. And while doing so, we just kind of kept talking and reminiscing and stuff. So there are some things that aren't included in this podcast. But as soon as we got back to the studio, we started taping again. While out of the studio, one of the things that we started talking about was Space Breath and the amazing song they had called Shag. Shag was written by band member Mo Phillips, who we will be featuring on our next podcast. Anyway, back in the day, we all agreed that Shag was one of Space Breath's best songs and that it could be an instant hit if it was released into the college scene, but unfortunately, it never was for whatever reasons. 
Check it out and let us know what you think of it at podcast at musicsubo.com. This is Space Breath with Shag. I just want you tonight. I know I'm it right. I'm about to fuck, so you better take me home to show me the things that you know and the lots of Awesome song, isn't it? Well, I asked Andy all about the history of the song, how it came to be, and why they ended up not playing it live too often. And this is what he had to say as we continued our conversation. I remember when he showed me that song and he took me up into his room. Uh, we were living in a house in Portland on uh, 39th Avenue, for those of you who know the great Southeast 39th Avenue scene. Oh, I was going to ask where Southeast, Northwest, in between where? Division and, well, just off Holgate. So, um, kind of an interesting area anyway and he took me upstairs into his room which was an amazing room a neat old uh, Danish style house um, and he's like Andy I wrote a song and you know I don't know if you're going to like it or not but check it out and it was Shag and it was definitely the best song that Space Breath ever had ever could have and never really went for in terms of uh, marketing and it's too bad because that really could have been the song that we sold out and we made a whole bunch of money and stuff like that. But uh, Mo, Mo never, he didn't want to be known for the guy who wrote the song about, you know, I just want to get laid. Yeah. He's. Wouldn't. Oh, man. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, people love the song Mo. when they heard it. Like, strangers would be talking to the band afterwards. Like, I love your band. I really love that song, Shag. Uh, we want to try to get you on the radio and stuff like that. But we never really pursued it for better or worse. Uh, 
Yeah, you guys would have been a hit in the college scene, I'm telling you. Definitely. That would have been the song that, you know, and it would have been annoying. And I think Mo knew that. It would have been annoying for him. To have to play that every, every night. Show. Yeah. Maybe even twice a show. Like doing acoustic and then an electric version. <laughs> <laughs> no, I could only take one shot at night. I can't go that long anymore. So what's all this jumbling over here? I heard all this jumbling on the microphone and... It's oh, it's Dom. This is a mic even Dom. <laughs> Hi guys. Hey, it's Dom, the bassist from Pharma. Which I just found out we're uh, we're gonna be we're gonna be uh, starting rehearsals again. Really? Incidentally, yeah. Well, this podcast isn't about Pharma, so, so screw you. No, right, that's that's fine. <laughs> no, that's good. I'm glad to hear you guys are starting to rehearse again. Yeah, we're looking at some new drummers. Oh, very good. Ooh, very good. That's always fun. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's always fun looking for the core of the band, the yeah. foundation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That'll be a fun job. I'm still kicking myself for not sticking with the drums because, uh, my first in, my first rock and roll instrument, for that matter, was the drums. And uh, yeah, I remember that. Got a in our really old funny old Sears uh, Royce drum set. My dad found from it was an ancient set, and I really wish I still had it, but. Um, he got it for me when I was 10 years old. Bless my dad's heart. And they put up with me practicing and banging the drums. They, they put up with me coming over with my guitar, too. Yeah, we would have Which jams. was amazing. Because I didn't know shit. And I still don't know. I'm sure there was a lot of bad music coming out of that into that house. But <laughs> they put up with it and they supported it. So bless their hearts for... Uh, and they still come out to the shows. They do. So that's, a lot of my family comes out. If I play in the Bay Area, it's like... <laughs> I gotta apologize to the bar owner. Be like, sorry, uh, uh, those drunkards are over there. Those are my, that's my family over there. The rowdy ones. Yeah. <laughs> the best was that show at that Oakland uh, warehouse where the a guy actually tried to get credit for it because uh, he was the promoter for the show and he was like, oh yeah, these are all these union people that I brought down from this local company and uh, and they're really big and everything and the bar owner, bartender was being really funny. He was like, yeah, I guess these people are a bunch of union people. And I was like, a union people. I was like, well, some of them are. <laughs> We're all part of the Irish union. I was like, he works for this union, works for local 809. Um, <laughs> but they're not one union. What are you talking about? And he's like, oh, the promoter guy, I won't say his name on this podcast, was yeah. like, uh, <laughs> oh, yeah, I brought all those people here because he was trying to make himself look better. Like he did some promotion and brought like... 40 random strangers and I was like no I was like that's my grandma that's my cousin that's my uncle and his wife they're awesome they're really excited to be able to smoke indoors that's uh you know it was it was great uh, yeah, the was best awesome was my grandpa show. and my grandma dancing to this really bad indie band that was playing a waltz and my grandpa just died a couple months ago but uh that was definitely my favorite moment from that night was seeing them dance to an indie band that was really bad playing a really weird waltz and my grandpa picked it out and asked his wife to dance and it was really weird to see in this very hip underground warehouse art music scene the place was too hip for me i thought (laughs) definitely but my not too hip for my grandpa who was dancing with his wife uh at 81 years old across the hipster (laughs) floor i was like yes this is awesome (laughs) that was cool that was a fun night it's a very fun night it was. I thought we played pretty well. It was a big room. Uh, my guitar was getting buried, and there was, uh, I didn't really understand the acoustics. I, I guess I, they had that one wall to pie. It was 
right, the, right. The, the actual the curve angled. of pie, and it was supposed to be perfect for sound, but I don't think it was because it was burying. No. It was just the sound was disappearing. Well, the the fact that the the whole place, the floor was made of concrete, and yeah. you guys were playing on the floor, didn't really. So why have a wall sound. that's like was supposed <laughs> to make the sound better <laughs> because it's three point one four, blah 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 blah. <laughs> Of a curve, a and huge you have a concrete floor yeah, with a concrete rafter, floor. huge ceiling. Yeah, yeah uh, I, I I could hear your vocals like three times, four times. It was great. Yeah, not a good venue. Yeah, but what was the name of that place? I have no idea. Oh, okay. it's a big, huge warehouse <laughs> party place in Seventh uh, Street or something like that. Okay. Well, I don't I don't want to give them any bad press, but. I'm not giving a bad press. They, they got the right idea. They just need to deal with their sound thing. Uh, what was the name of that place? Uh, I don't know. I remember. I, I can see it. It's got uh, a it, red door. It, it really doesn't matter because of the fact that they couldn't remember your band name the whole time and kept calling you guys UAI. No, that was the promoter. That wasn't the owner. Oh, okay. Or the people who ran that, run that place were actually pretty cool. Okay. okay. No, I that know. was the promoter. Oh, see, I thought the promoter was the owner. No, 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 no. Okay, then. UAI? What did he think? You know, he knew for? that the band was called Way, and he specifically would only call us UAI. And my my keyboardist actually got pissed at him about it. I didn't care. I was like, "You can do whatever you want." No, I remember. Dude. By the time we by the time we traveled up to Grass Valley, or Nevada City, at the oh, Magic right. the Magic Theater, and he kept doing it, there was some word said. You're like, "Dude, I our think band I was I think way. I was pissed at him about other stuff, so I kind of made a point just to." have something to kind of get in his face about so yeah i got i kind of yelled at him about that right but i really didn't care that guy's the kind of jackass that that i just really don't want to do music with or you know they think it's right. a joke and they and they're they're more interested in power and well they're dominating they're the, people well they're the type of band that is a band to get chicks and get laid yeah. and have fun and, and do drugs and party and, we, right right yeehaw. which What's maybe what? that's what rock and roll is <laughs> i don't know but yeah i mean the, i think that's a that's a a side thing to rock and roll. Mm. You really should get into it for the music. The chicks and the drugs, that's just a bonus. Yeah, that's the added... Yeah, I mean, that's just an added bonus to the lifestyle, really. Right. So anyway, uh, the history of uh, Bergeron... Yeah. How um, did you get into this music thing? I mean, we just did delve into the drums and you and I playing back in junior high, high school. Yeah, we played a long time ago. Place, but um, from there, you disappeared. You know, I was always in the high school bands. I played uh, trumpet and trombone and stuff like that in high school band and junior right. high band, all that. And I guess I just started turning towards pop. I started listening to the Beatles and Pink Floyd and... Um, and you're kind of getting into that. Uh, I guess you can't call Pink Floyd pop, but it is in trip a way. Pop or yeah, trip pop or something. 60s, it's 70s trip pop. Catchy, repetitive, blues-based rock and roll. I've really started to like it. Clean, really clean-sounding music. As I said before, I was into Appetite for Destruction and really heavy metal for a long time, but then I started getting into the clean sound. I remember you were in the Animals for a while. Didn't your dad have Animals on that reel-to-reel? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'd listen to Animals. That That might have been part of like the transition, like getting into more of the clean sound. Um, Started getting into the Who and a lot of the old 60s bands, but... Then I got deported and went to reform school, and I played a lot of music there. (laughs) Like I said, you disappeared. (laughs) Uh, When I came back to the West Coast, I moved to Portland, and I... uh, have uh, I don't know I just started Portland uh, Maine right well no that was when I got to oh. part of reform school we don't talk about that oh. but when I went, <laughs> we went to, Portland Portland, to Portland, Portland Oregon um, 
they uh, it was weird i got to, i went to college there and all the musicians were they they wore it on their sleeve and i was so offended you know it'd be like hi my name's andy and i play guitar and drums like i didn't want to say that to people i was like you know i'm just myself and so i watched all these bands forming and stuff and i never really got involved and it wasn't until later after i dropped out of college that uh i started i talked to a friend of mine mo was the bass player for Space Breath. Right, who wrote uh, Shag. Who wrote Shag, the best <laughs> song that Space Breath ever did. And, uh, I don't know, I guess the rest... What, I, did you play guitar in Space Breath? Yeah, the guitar and sang, and I played keyboards too, actually. I was the keyboard rhythm guitarist. Cool. The everything guy. Yeah, I'd play some lead lines, I'd sing, and uh, yell at the drummer if he was speeding up or slowing down. But anyway, uh, that was a great band, and we had fun. And that kind of... I don't know, I get pulled into bands, it's weird. And that kind of just started my Portland music career. I ended up playing in the Morgan Phillips trio. Played in a uh, band called Loris Lane, which was a duo. I played drums and she played guitar and sang. And then we ended up making a really big, really powerful band. It was amazing. We got a really good bass player named Mick. Uh, I don't remember his last name. And uh, a really amazing guitarist. And I don't remember his name at all either. And, oh, uh, nice. Which, yeah, which band was, was this? I was kind of burnt from the, from that era. Uh, Loris Lane was the name of the band. And oh, okay. I her name is Loris Doyle. I believe she's living in Los Angeles now. She's a great musician, really fun person to hang out with. So um, maybe Google Loris Doyle and see if you can find out anything that she's doing, a.k.a. Loris Lane, which is the name of that band. Um, let's see. I played I, in a couple other projects, too. And then, of I course, Way. Okay. I, I didn't realize that Loris Lane got bigger than the duo. Oh yeah, boy, we had a powerhouse of a band for a while. Uh, actually, we got we got signed up to do a gig with Brian Jones, Tom Asker, and oh cool, yeah. But I fucked up because uh, my I was playing in two bands, which is the really you know that's almost why you don't want to play in two fully fully acting going right. for bands because it came down to it where I was like I had a really big show with Way in Eugene, Oregon, where we get, we were the all night like tripped out party band uh, at this huge huge house like it was literally like a hotel it was like a what they call them boarding houses or something like that it was kind of like a dorm but it was like a co-op or something yeah exactly yeah they had a huge kitchen like okay yeah it was like a co-op exactly and they had i think 30 rooms and they were having a party and we were the headlining van and i'm like oh this is perfect for me this is the kind of like street show that i want to do right everybody's gonna be into it everybody's gonna be partying and hanging out all night long right um, whereas the same night I was supposed to be the drummer for the opening act out of six bands, um, Brian Jones Town Massacre being the headlining act. And I told the, uh, Loris, I said, you know, why don't you just do this show solo? You don't need me there. We're the first band. Nobody's going to be there for us. All right, the first band out of six. Six. So we were supposed to start at like 8.30 and it was, the show was going to go till 2.30. I was like, nobody's coming down to see us. Like, let's get real. I was like, why don't you do this show solo, though, so we can just still say the band was there, you were there, your band, me. Yeah, she was the, the leader of the band. Her name yeah. was the band. So. And she was like, no. She's like, I'm going to get a new drummer. Even though I, I came up with the band name Loris Lane, I, I was... Anyway, you know that. Uh, I was really pushing her to do the right thing. And I, I, it was kind of surprising that she was willing to drop me so quickly. Um, I never really figured that out, actually. Yeah, like, why she'd be willing to to just get a new drummer I mean it was like about two months after we had put together the whole band so I think she does have I mean, her, I eyes, her eyes on the prize or something right I mean I can understand getting a new drummer for just that gig I right. mean that's not hard to do no but it doesn't work that way with rock and roll politics because if they get a new drummer and they're all hip I wasn't very hip I was kind of the 
leaning hippie guy hanging out with these like really hipster Portland people, right? So I wasn't that hip anyway. I think the new drummer had a, uh, an afro and a bunch of earrings or something like that. Oh, well, that was you're cool. definitely not. And wore the that. old t-shirts or something like that. So he was cool. And you're not. And I was like, I had a beard. And right. That's not cool. So. <laughs> so I got the boot, which was really brutal. I was, we were both kind of bummed about it, but I, I had, and, but I felt actually good and empowered of, because I put my foot down, which I usually wouldn't do, and I was like, no, I don't care about the hipster scene. I don't care about her body's pan, which is like one of the hip bars in Portland. And I mean, I think Brian Jones Sound Massacre is a great man, but uh, if I'm gonna do something of my own and that I'm gonna feel great about, and that I'm kind of, it's kind of my project, and I'm probably gonna choose that over drumming. For an Just, opening act, right? If we were headlining the act with Brian Chelsea and Oscar, I definitely would have stayed. If, or if we were op- like the band in front of them, right? Or even the band in front of them. But I know how people are. People don't come out to the show you're, until ten or eleven. At right? Bar. You were like the the band that played before the door the doors actually opened. Yeah, we were like playing the sound check. You <laughs> right? Know? I mean, come on. <laughs> right. I understand so that. So she had her eyes on the prize and freaked out. Needless to say, the band has since broken up. I warned her, I was like, you know, the band's going to fail, and blah, 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 you and I are the core, and she just ran away thinking it was her project solely. I mean, it was, it was her songs, and they're really good songs. Uh, I hope she's still doing stuff with them, because they actually were really great songs. But uh, we had a bond, and she broke it, so... Eh, but she's still out there. <laughs> I don't know, I either got fired or I quit, one of the two. <laughs> we'll never really know. It's always a fine line, it's the same thing with a job, like, either it's... It's hard saying whether or not you get quit or you you quit or you get fired. Yeah, I've been at that point where I, I wanted to quit, and when they fired me, I was like, "Oh well, I basically quit." Because <laughs> yeah. <laughs> anyway, moving on. Uh, so after Lois Lane, Loris Lane, Loris Lane. Sorry, um, Way started up. Right, Way was starting. Way was playing while Loris Lane was playing. Okay. Because you guys had that gig at the same time. You, I, I started playing. You're right. You're right. Way started after Loris Lane. It was, was kind of nice to me to go back to the drums. Um, it was, again, not to dwell on the bad part, but it was right after Jeff had died. And so for me, it was really nice to kind of just get behind the drum kit and not have to be the front person. Just be able to like kind of relax in the rhythm section and, and hammer that stuff out, so to speak. Right. And then with and then it was just it was Loris Lane started and then literally like just three or four months later Way started. So it was right about the same time. Okay. Very cool. Yeah. And both were fun bands, both very different. Oh, where are you going, what Dom? What are you doing, Dom? <laughs> Do you have I... any pot? <laughs> <laughs> Board games and drink. That sounds like a good idea. It is. It's a great idea. All right. Very nice. That sounds good. All right. Bye. Hope you get your wick wet, dog. <laughs> uh, nothing. We're just talking about you going to pick up women at the bar while you play board games. I don't know what that's about, though. I've never picked up women while playing board games, but... I've never picked up women, so... <laughs> women definitely like board games. Really? Maybe that's what I'm doing wrong. <laughs> you, have a, you have a girlfriend, dude. Oh, uh, well, yeah. <laughs> Great. She's going to be listening to this. I'm going to get it when she finally hears it. Edit. Edit. So, let's see now. Charlie's in India. 
you're in Santa Cruz now. Moe's in Australia. Mm-hmm. Zach is in Los Angeles. Yeah, for the, in terms of the way and we won, Zach was never really a part of way. Right. Uh-oh, uh-oh. Uh-oh, we got our guest speaker. Oh, yeah, we got a, another phone call from Forrest. This time we'll pick it up. Here we go. Yeah, but just to clarify, Zach was, uh, is living in New York City. Hey, Forrest. <laughs> What's happening, dude? You're on the podcast. Oh, my God, I'm live on podcast. That's right. You're on speakerphone, man. Everybody's going to hear you, dude. Let's go. Where are we at in the podcast? How's, paint, how's the house coming along? Is the paint, the paint drying? You guys painting in yellows and purples or what? Uh, it was like a pastel purple, but it wasn't supposed to be. It was supposed to be like a gray purple. Oh, very nice. So I come out there, I came out with like the gap. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry to hear that. I was gonna make some. Uh, I was gonna roast the chicken. Sounds good. Roasted yeah, chicken. Oh yeah, I've heard of that. But it's like a pan, so you don't have to use an actual can. <laughs> I thought you were supposed to stick a can of beer up the chicken's ass. I heard beer can chicken is where you stick the can of beer up the chicken's ass. Right. Yeah, yeah. This is this is basically the same thing, but it's a a, a pan made by Weber, the barbecue company. But uh, oh. basically, it has a, a vessel in the bottom that you just take the cap off of and fill it with beer, and then it does the same thing. And then you stick the keep chicken on top of it, and it steams <laughs> it up its ass, and then it's, it's very moist and delicious. I'm trying to Sounds great. Yeah. Nothing a, a can of beer up your ass. <laughs> can of beer up your ass, 550 degrees. I mean, yeah, it, 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 yeah. <laughs> I've been drinking it all wrong all this time. So, uh, are you guys going to be podcasting for a while? No. No. <laughs> we're we're kind of winding down, I think. I don't know. <laughs> after it's, this uh, after this little uh, bit, I think it's pretty much done. Definitely. We got we got beers, we got booze, we got uh, chicken with a some beer up its ass. Sweet. <laughs> you got so much beer, you're sticking it up chicken's asses. Great. Yeah, <laughs> yeah you like it. Yeah, that's right, buddy. Uh, yeah, definitely. We'll we'll give you a call right after we're done. It shouldn't be very much longer. All right, have fun. All right, talk. All right, talk to you soon. All right, well, that was Forrest, who interrupted earlier, but there he is. So where the hell were we? I don't know. I guess uh, just to finish things up, I'm really excited about uh, the future of music and uh, uh, in the Internet and accessibility for independent projects and for people who want to make art for the sake of making art and music. They can keep doing that. Um, It doesn't have to be something that... We just buy whatever's fed fed to us, you know. Um, I don't know. I guess you can see both sides of it. The stuff that comes out of Hollywood is extremely high quality. A lot of the independent stuff isn't as high a quality, and 
So maybe that's what people want. They want the highest quality, the best recording, the perfect blah, blah, blah. Um, or does music have something else in it that kind of speaks to the nations and speaks to different people in different ways? And right. So I'm pushing to keep that kind of stuff open because I don't think that uh, it should be removed from the bigger picture of music as of yet. No, I don't think it should be either. I, I think it should just be the music. It's funny. I remember when I got into Space Breath and uh, kind of a final thought, and I was thinking, you know, if worst comes to worst... Uh, We'll start a decent band and we'll play in a local scene and we'll at least be able... I remember my biggest goal was to just be up on a stage with the lights and the full sound system. And that has happened so many times in the last uh, six or seven years that I just really, I'm really thankful to be able to at least have been able to feel that and to be able to and at least be able to be a rock star for one night. Uh, right. Even if it's only one night a week. But... Uh, <laughs> It's it's a great thing and and talking to people about music and the whole dialogue that's ensued and talking and especially in this day and age with the independent versus uh, the the Hollywood production facilities and um you know I'm really pulling for the people I think they can continue to make good music um, I think people are trying too hard I think people are playing too fast and too loud uh, you know music does not need to be um, so loud that you have to wear earplugs or feel pain when you're at a show. <laughs> right. um, it can be a really pleasurable, fun dancing experience. Uh, which Way wasn't really that kind of band. Way was a little more serious, but like these songs, like some of the songs uh, that I played earlier. Right, right. Um, uh, you know, that's why I'm getting into some of this older music. It's like I'm trying to refine my voice through music that's already happened rather than thinking that I actually create any music. Or thinking that I have anything to do with music as a bigger picture, taking songs that are a part of music and a part of the music culture and humanity, and redoing them in my own way, and and trying to embrace the original artist's intent, it's been really great for me in terms of refining my voice and uh, and what I want to do with music. So I'm really excited about it. I'm going to keep doing that uh, probably until I don't know one of the big artists contacts me and tells me I'm stealing their music and they're going to sue me. <laughs> Uh, until that happens, I'm going to keep, you know, uh, doing some covers and having a really good time with it and playing uh, local free shows. Um, sorry to all you musicians that hate free show players, but I, I believe in it. And uh, yeah. it's, it's I'm a carpenter, so, you know, I have to fucking pound nails to get a little bit of cash to keep this to thing rolling. Shows, yeah. So I have no sympathy for people who get paid to do music. I'm sorry, but <laughs> when my back hurts at the end of the day and I still practice for an hour, uh, it's a little different than waking up and having tea and practicing for a few hours and having your own studio and all that. So um, I don't know. Right. I hear you. Well, with that, let's play a few songs from Way and close out the show. All right, cool. All it's right. fun. Yeah, thanks for coming up, man. Let's go out and hit the bars, dude. All right, let's go.
economics You cut through demonics Drives a man insane But true love saves me You trickle down economics You cut through demonics Drives a man insane But true love saves me I shot myself in the foot again It was loaded in its holster as the firing pin I'm down in a field Waiting to drain My foot hurts bad Relieve the pain, relieve the pain Relieve the pain Relieve the pain Relieve the pain That was Way with Kings and Queens and Spike. And that's it for Music Sumo Podcast 006. I'd like to thank Andy Bergeron for coming into the studio for a little fun and for providing us with some live tunes, songs for, from his old bands, and most of the background music for this podcast. I'd also like to thank Space Breath and Way for the wonderful tunes as well. This is Downtown Johnny Brown saying take care, everybody, and remember to visit Music Sumo often at www.musicsumo.com. That's www.musicsumo.com. 
Currently, we are featuring Way on our homepage, and we are currently selling their album for only $8. That's over 50% off the list price. We'll close out this podcast with more and Crumb's Butterfly Song by Way. And remember to give them some feedback at podcast at musicsumo.com or by visiting their website at www.figwine.org. That's www.figwine.org.
Well, it's Crumb's Butterfly Song. I hope that it's so long, cause it's Crumb's Butterfly. And when you're sitting in your hammock, not giving a goddamn it, cause you're Crumb's Butterfly. When a man walks along with an ole in his hand, is that man? Is that man alone? Only
been a Music Sumo Podcast.